Well, we've got a treat for you this morning. Uh, last time we had David Dilley preaching, he shared a little bit of his story, uh, his experience of demonic possession even as a young boy, and his experience of the power of the name of Jesus over the power of Hinduism. Uh, David's got a great revelation I've asked him to come and share this morning. He's a talented, educated young man. He's already planted two churches in India, which he planted uh, as a student, and they are still in existence today. Uh, it's, so, it's such a huge privilege for me to have a fine young man like this coming and sharing the word today. Would you please put your hands together? Welcome, David Dalip, as he comes to share the word today. Good morning, church. How are you doing? How was the week? Seems like for some of us, not so great. Right, that's right, because we're a different season of life, going through different stuff. But despite of how our week was, whether joyful or painful, and how we were feeling this morning, you know, some of us felt like coming to church and some of us not so. But thank God we've decided to come together to be in His presence, to worship Him and praise Him along with the church family. I want to tell you that 74 Cook Street, Elim Christian Center, it's the best place to be on every Sunday morning. Amen. I also want to tell you that Pastor Mike and the leadership team here got a vision of seeing a church of minimum 1,000 people. The people that are passionate about Jesus Christ and the people that are compassionate about other people and the people that are excited to live out the Christian faith without being ashamed or afraid, especially in this generation. And the people that are always ready to share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to everybody. Amen. Uh, some of you know me and some of you don't know me. And there was something that I heard was quite interesting. This is not my taste, but I thought of mentioning it. There were some girls having a chat after the morning service. And one of the things that they were discussing was, who is the hottest guy in a church? I don't know which church these girls are from, you know, our church girls are great. And the answer was, it's David, but he's too godly. He doesn't give us a chance to talk. <laughs> I'm not sure how they came up with it. Maybe it's the color of my skin where I look like a hot brownie that just came out of the oven. <laughs> when they touched it, their fingers got burned and realized I'm too hot. <laughs> Well, I'm David Dilip Gantepali from India. I'm third child in my family. I was born in a countryside, so I call myself as a country boy. I'm really grateful to my parents that worked hard and sacrificed so much to see us where we are today. I grew up in where my dad's side family was Hindu, except my grandma who believed in Jesus. And my mom's side family was Christian, but we didn't even have a church back then. All I had as a child was the New Testament Bible and a few booklets about Jesus Christ. As a science student, I was taught in, in the class that uh, there's no God, and we were taught the evolution. That once upon a time, no one knows when, our great, great, great grandparents used to be monkeys. So thank you, Lucky Star, that we have evolved from them. And we had very good family friends that were Muslim. And India is a country where we have about 80% Hindus and about 13% Muslims and about 2.5% Christians and rest others. As you could see, there were many faiths and belief systems that were intersecting in my mind when I was growing up. And I was asking these big questions, who is God? What does he look like? What does, it, what does he mean to me? Out of all, Jesus Christ stood taller and clearer. I was drawn to Jesus because of who he is. He is love. He truly and genuinely loved me and he died for me and he rose again. So I said, Lord, I love you and I follow you and I need you. 
And uh, when it comes to studies, I did computer science engineering, and after I graduated, I started to work for IBM as a software engineer. I've been working more than 11 years, I can't believe it. And currently I'm working for Vodafone uh, as a senior systems engineer. And I came to this church, I came to this, this beautiful country about eight years ago, and I walked into this church building. There and then I knew this is my home. And over the years, I met some incredible friends and families. I'm really grateful for your love and for encouragement for everything you've done. And also good to see some of my colleagues here uh, sitting there. And with these guys, it's, I really feel like a family when I go to work. And truly, it's a privilege for me to share the word of God with you this morning. So shall we all stand up, please? The Bible says there are shouts of joy and great victory in the tents of God's people Psalm 118 verse 15. So this morning, I want to see the joy of the Lord invading this place. We have the creed of the apostles coming up on the screen, which consists of the fundamental faith statements of what we believe as the followers of Christ, as the children of God, followed by a little bit of faith confession. So let us shout it together. Let's proclaim it together and let us shout it louder, much louder than watching the All Blacks game. <laughs> Don't worry about the rooftop, it goes off, we can get it fixed later. Let us shout it together. Here we go. I believe in the God Almighty, the Father and the Creator of the universe. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, His only Son and my Savior. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. He suffered and died for my sins and rose again. He ascended into heaven. He shall soon come again. I believe in the Holy Spirit who is worshipped and glorious. I believe in the Holy Church. And I believe in the Holy Bible, which is the perfect word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today, as I am taught the word of God, here along with my spiritual family, I will be blessed, healed, and anointed for a holy and victorious living. I will never again be the same in Jesus' name, please be seated. This morning, I would like to share with you something that resonates with my heart. Growing up as a child, to some extent, I had much faith in God. I have seen God moving the mountains. I knew when I prayed, He would hear me, not because I'm somebody special, but because of who God is. But many years later, I found myself in the midst of circumstances that were completely contradicting to God's faithfulness that I have known. It seemed like there was a thick wall building up between me and heaven and all the prayers I prayed were seeming to hit the ceiling and bounce back and fall on me like a hailstone. It was unbearable pain. At some stage, even I felt like maybe God might have become busy with other great people. You might have become busy with other great preachers that could present well, that could communicate very well. You might have become busy with other gifted and talented musicians and singers. You might have become busy with other intellectuals. You might have become busy with other godly people 
and holy people and not interested in me anymore because I'm not one of them. Even some of the qualities I had at some time have lost them. So it doesn't have time for me anymore. Have you ever had the times where such questions popped into your minds and you wonder if God is really, I mean, God is really interested in you? If God is really interested in your marriages, if God is really interested in your ministries, if God is really interested in your careers, in your studies, in your relationships, because you're not good enough, you're not a good enough husband or a good enough wife to keep your marriage fresh and exciting and romantic, you were not talented enough or gifted enough minister or a leader to make your ministry grow and have an impact in the lives of the people. Or you were not intelligent enough students to get those grades in your studies. Or you were not skilled enough employee to keep your losing job or get the promotion that you much needed. Or you were not beautiful enough or handsome enough or attractive enough or skinny enough for someone to love you and marry you. Or you were not rich enough to make your dreams a reality. I don't know what is that, that you were not enough. You felt you were insignificant, ignored, and even the awful and the painful feeling of being rejected, not just by friends and family that you love and trust, but even by God, as he seemed to be very much busy and involved in the lives of the people that are around you, but except you. And you prayed every prayer that you know how to pray. You sang every song that you know how to sing. And you did everything that you could. And you were not sure what God is up to. And you were about to quit. And when I found myself in the similar circumstances, to be honest with you, I didn't know what to do. There were many noises telling me, maybe I should become a quiet and passive Christian. But deep in my heart, I knew my God is real. He's faithful. All his promises are yes and amen. He's not like an idol or an image that people worship in some Asian and Eastern countries. It's not a great idea or an ideology or imagination of a human man as people think in New Zealand or in Western countries. But it's the true and the living God. So I cannot be quiet or passive over Jesus Christ. So I got desperate. And I cried unto God day and night, God, do you see me? Do you hear me? It's 3 a.m. in the morning, I'm laying on my bed and I can't sleep. It's 12 a.m. in the afternoon, I have lost the appetite to eat. Lord, please have mercy on me. Hear me and speak to me. Church, I want to tell you, when you and I get desperate in prayer, God will operate in power. What do I mean by that is your desperation for God's attention causes his intervention in your situation. What do I mean by that is when we are persistent and consistent in prayer for God to act in our lives. We pierce through the heart of God and cause him to attend to our heart's deepest cries. At some stage, I felt God speaking to me through scriptures and through some of his people. My son, I heard every prayer that you prayed. 
And it's written down in the book of remembrance. In the book of memories, Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. Every tear you shed is held in my hands and is stored in a flask of remembrance. Psalm 56, verse 8. I visit and revisit them. Time and again, I remember them. Now is the time. And it's strange how God picks up people. I'm a guy like God, me, English speak. No, me, English speak. It's a wrong address, God. But it's interesting that God picks up such people and tells them, let us have some fun together. In the gospel narratives, we see some people, some nobodies and some no ones in the society having different issues, coming to Jesus in different ways. And they approach Jesus in different ways. And out of nowhere, these people, they enter the scene and they intervene with the plan that Jesus had in his mind. To my surprise, oh Lord Jesus Christ, he dropped all of his agenda from his busy schedule. He stopped and stood still for these people. I would like to repeat this again. Out of nowhere, this no ones and nobodies in the society, they entered the scene, and they intervened with the plan that Jesus had in his mind. To my surprise, our Lord Jesus Christ, he dropped all of his agenda from his busy schedule. He stopped and stood still for these people. But this morning, I've chosen a passage from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses from 35 to 42. And the similar passage could be found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, 45 to 53. I would like to make three points as I unpack this passage. I would like to stick with the three points, otherwise we're going to spend next two hours here. <laughs> Jesus had a week. Just a week before his crucifixion, he makes a special visit to the city of Jericho. Surely Jesus had so much on his plate for the only week he got on this planet earth. And that was the most busiest and the eventful week as Pastor Mike explained during Good Friday and Easter. So this visit to Jericho must be of something very significant. The city of Jericho is a cursed city in the context of Jewish history as we see in Joshua chapter 6 verse 26. Into that cursed city, our Lord Jesus decided to make a special visit so that somebody in that city could be blessed. Somebody in that city could be healed and somebody else in that city could be saved. Amen. Now Jesus Christ came to the outskirts of the city, they would see a blind beggar sitting by the wayside and begging. He was known as Bartimaeus. I'm not sure if that was his actual name because Bar means the son. Timaeus was his father's name. People call him, oh, here is son of Timaeus. There is son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus. And this blind Bartimaeus woke up in the morning and he put on his clothes and somehow he managed to get to the usual place where he would usually beg. To him, it seemed like an usual day, just another day, just another day. And I don't think he would have expected anything extraordinary to happen 
out of the as usual ordinaries of his life. Church, I want to ask you a question. How many of us woke up this morning, got so excited about coming to church? How many of us have come here expecting for an extraordinary touch from God as we worship him and as we praise him? How many of us have come here expecting, you know, for a breakthrough for what we are going through? How many of us have come here expecting to see people saved and lives transformed as we share the gospel? Or it seemed like another Sunday? I have many Sundays like that. And there was this blind beggar sitting by the wayside, begging. Arms, please. Few coins, please. I'm blind. I cannot see. Arms, please. I know you cannot heal my blindness, but surely you can help me to live in my blindness with few coins. Arms, please. That's how his life was for years and years, for years and years, just living by the pity of the people. But all of that, I mean all of that that he lived for years and years was about to change in a moment because Jesus Christ decided to pass by. I love that. Wherever Jesus passed by, whenever God passed by, something always happened. And there was Jesus who passed through the Jericho, the outskirts of the city of Jericho. And we know wherever Jesus went, his disciples went with him. And a huge crowd followed him. There were children, you know, running here and there, shouting, yelling, screaming, and people, parents telling them off. So on that usual day, there was unusual noise. When this blind man heard that unusual noise, he could have thought, like he me today, I don't need to sit here and beg as there seems to be more people. I'm going to get more coins, and I can go home earlier, go to nearby pub and get some drink. He could have thought, right? But he was curious. He wanted to know what was the reason for this unusual noise. So he asked the crowd, hey, what's going on? Hey, what's going on here? The first point I want to make is, not what you lack, but what you have is the end of seed for your breakthrough. You see, this blind man couldn't see with his eyes, but he could hear with his ears, and he made full use of it. And the crowd told him that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Wait a minute, who is passing by? Is it Jesus of Nazareth? Have I heard it right? The crowd tells him, yeah, you heard it right. At that moment, this blind man was so excited because he heard so much about this person of Jesus, all the miracles he has performed. And I personally believe that he was a careful listener of the prophetic scriptures concerning the promised Messiah. Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 to 6, and Matthew chapter 11, verse 5. There we see when the promised Messiah comes, the blind see, the deaf hear, the mute sing the praises, 
praises of the Lord and the lepers are cleansed and the dead will raise back to life. So when he put those prophetic scriptures concerning the promised Messiah and all the profound miracles performed by Jesus together, there was Holy Spirit opening the eyes of his heart to see to the greatest revelation of who Jesus Christ really is. This Jesus of Nazareth isn't just a Jesus from Nazareth. He isn't just a son of Mary. He isn't just a carpenter's son. He isn't just a great guru. He isn't just a great moral teacher. He isn't just a good human being, but he is the promised Messiah, the son of David. If he is the son of David, I know that he's full of mercy. He's abundant and he's abundant in mercy and full of compassion. In a church, that's the greatest revelation to receive about Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord. You know, you see this crowd with their eyes wide open. They could see all the miracles that Jesus performed. But the response was, he's Jesus of Nazareth. But this blind man, though he couldn't see any miracle that Jesus did until that time, but his eyes were open to really see who Jesus is. I want to tell you something. There may be people here having issues with natural abilities. But let me tell you, you can perceive and see through something when God touches you. There may be some people here thinking, you know, I can't sing beautifully like some of the people do. You can worship the king wholeheartedly. And some people here thinking, I can't preach. Let me tell you, you can reach out to the people with his love and compassion. There may be some people thinking, I don't have enough to give. Let me tell you, you can give yourself to serve him and to be a blessing to others. It's not what you don't have, but what you do have is enough for God to work in you and through you. Amen. The second point I want to make is, Jesus stands still for those who refuse to stand still. With this revelation, this blind man cried unto Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd, the good-looking crowd, got so frustrated at him. They tried to tell him off, shut up. Don't disturb, don't disturb Jesus. Or don't disturb the crowd. We heard some rumors that he only got a week on this planet Earth. He's talking something about crucifixion and resurrection and things are getting mysterious. Overall, he only got a week. There's so many important people that he got to meet. There's so many things he got to get done. He's too busy and he doesn't have time for you, beggar. You be quiet. All that you need is few coins, right? Take them and be quiet. It's very discouraging, right? Now, sometimes we get told off. When some people become Christian, they get told off by their parents and friends. You have the fire in your heart. Sometimes you get told off because people don't understand us. But this blind beggar didn't focus on the discouraging words of the crowds. But his focus was on who Jesus is. He knew that it was his moment. He didn't want it to slip by. So he cried out even louder, Jesus, 
Son of David, have mercy on me, please. He cried out even louder, Jesus, son of David, please have mercy. And something happened at the time. I'm sure you want to know, right? I pray that Holy Spirit will imprint it upon our hearts so that we remember it as long as we live. Luke chapter 18, verse 40. If we look at different translations, it says, Jesus stopped and stood still. And I don't know how to explain it. Even if you try to, I fail to explain it. The person who stopped, the person who stood still, wasn't an ordinary man. He wasn't the president of the America, but he's the God Almighty who eternally existed. Before anything and everything began, in the beginning he existed. It is this person who said, let there be, and there it was. He was the one who brought the billions of galaxies, billions and billions of stars. He was the one who set the solar systems in their courses above. He was the one who brought those planets. He was the one who brought everything that we see. We can't even see with our naked eye into existence by the power of his words. He is the one who upholds all of it by the power of his word. It is this God Almighty when he was in flesh and blood walking in the person of Jesus was made stand still by those feeble words uttered by this poor beggar. When those words traveled in the form of a sound wave and entered the ears of Jesus, when they touched his eardrums in a response to its beat and to its rhythm, Jesus stopped and stood still. You know, there's a passage in the Old Testament, book of Joshua, chapter 10, verses 13 and 14. Joshua prayed to God during a battle. God made the sun and the moon stand still. They stopped. Bible says there has never been a day like that before or after where God heard the prayer of a son of man, son of none. I don't know whose son is. Is son of anyway, son of man. But I wanna talk about another, or rather, the most incredible, remarkable incident where this time. It's not the sun or the moon or the creation, but the creator himself stood still. And I used to, when I think about this passage, I get quite emotional <laughs> because I was that beggar, I was that sinner, feeling guilty and ashamed of my sins. That's when my heart cried out in desperation for my soul's redemption. When God heard me, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. He stood on the cross, he shed his precious blood, he paid the price, and he set my soul free. Now, moving on to the third point. Jesus could have directly called this blind man and healed him, right? But it's always fascinating to see 
how Jesus does and what he does. He turned to the crowd. There was this crowd commanding the blind man to shut up. And now Jesus commanded the crowd. You know, if Jesus says something, that means something. If Jesus commands something, it's altogether a different thing. I don't want to get in there, otherwise we'll run out of time. Jesus commanded the crowd. Now the crowd, which was telling the blind man, shut up, they tell him, cheer up and rise up. Jesus is calling. This morning I want to tell, Jesus is calling each and every person that is seated here. Jesus is calling, so cheer up, my friend. It's the time for us to give up certain habits or certain comforts or certain lifestyles and to rise up and come forward to Jesus. That's exactly what this blind man did. He rose up and he took his garment from his back and he threw away because he knew that he wouldn't need this garment anymore. He wouldn't need to sit there and beg until he dies because Jesus is calling. My life will be changed forever. I am going to follow this Jesus. Now Jesus, now the blind man came to Jesus and Jesus asked him, what do you want, buddy? Jesus, uh, this blind man said, Lord, I want to see. Now God opened his eyes and he praised God. Now the crowd, which was telling him off, they began to praise God. It's quite interesting. You know, it takes a blind man to open the eyes of the crowd to praise God. It takes some of the students here for your classmates, even for your professors, to know that they're not there by a random accident. They're not the byproducts of time plus matter plus chance. They're the children of the living God. There's a plan and purpose and meaning to the life. It takes some of us at a workplace for a colleague friends to know that there is a God who loves them so much and they're more valuable than the money they make. It takes us as a church in this nation for the people that are dying to know that there is hope and there is everlasting life in Christ Jesus. So the third point was let your obstacle push you towards a miracle. This blind man faced a lot of challenges and opposition. We also will face those circumstances those obstacles. We also face those people that try to shut us down, that try to put us down and discourage us. But don't get bitter about them because they're making you better every day. As long as we keep our focus on Jesus, all these circumstances, all these people will become part of your miracle. God is commanding our circumstances and those people to bring you closer to Jesus, to bring you closer to your breakthrough. 
Church, shall we all stand up, please? I want to encourage each one of us this morning to come before him like the blind man. He brought what he had. He could cry unto Jesus. So I want each one of us this morning to come once again to his presence. There's people here been praying for years and years for your families to be restored, for your broken marriages to be healed, been praying for forgiveness, for freedom, been praying for financial breakthroughs, been praying for many things. This morning I want to encourage each one of us not to give up, but to rise up and to come forward, to come again into his presence and cry unto him. He's merciful, he's faithful. He's not passing you by this morning. The Bible says that he is very much present in the midst of the people. When two or three gather, he said, I will be present. If Jesus passed by, something happened. I can't imagine what would happen if Jesus is always present in our midst. If Jesus is always present in our families. If Jesus is always present in our lives. to repeat the three points and pray it's not what you lack my friend what you have is enough for God to work in and through you when you feel the opposition when you feel the obstacles don't stop there don't give up refuse to stand still and come forward towards Jesus because he's waiting he is standing still. He heard you cry. And all the obstacles that we face, always remember, they're pushing us towards Jesus. They're pushing us towards the breakthrough. Dear Heavenly Father, we come together as a church this morning and we cry unto you, Lord, like the blind Bertimaeus cried unto you. Lord Jesus, have mercy upon us, Lord. Have mercy upon our lives, Father. Have mercy, Lord, for our families. Have mercy, Lord, in our church. Have mercy, Lord, for our nation. Empower us and heal us, Lord. And bless us, Lord. We want to worship you and follow you like blind Bertimaeus did.